0: So he, he's going to do his part. But what I have found is people do not understand how to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And we have the Word of God, and it, 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 is a, um, it should be confirming our actions as we move along. Um, but because people are people, you know how we are. If you are um, slick enough, you can take the word of God, and almost make it do anything for you. You can flip it, change it, and say, "Oh, this is what God meant. This is what God meant." As if people really know what God means. Uh, that's kind of interesting. That's another message. But what happens because we're people, and I I've talked about this, and, and we get in the way. And, and that, that's really, I think, when you're falling into the, the Holy Spirit, you got to get out of the way. How do you do that? Since you're alive and breathing. Because at every level of society, uh, there's that pecking order, and that is not a bad thing. that, that is a, a, a needed thing. You know, animal animal behavior. You know, you have a dominance hierarchy, especially. In, you can see it even in domestic poultry. If you've ever raised chickens, there's one big chicken, you know, rooster, and they don't play around. And if any other rooster come around, it's time to get it on, right? They do what roosters do. In an organization or social group. You have a sequence of a hierarchy or authority. And so God came and he understands that's just the way the world is. That's how he created it. Many nations function historically under similar racial supremacy arrangements. Different races were more important than other races. Uh, and that didn't begin in the United States. That happened centuries before the US. You know, I, I, There's all this you know, people apologizing for what your mama did. Don't apologize. That wasn't your fault. We're here. And, and what it was done here was just a, a repeat of what was done in Africa for thousands and thousands of years. Different tribes were more important than other tribes. Different, different realms, you know, in India, different, they have a, a caste system, and, and you can only marry it in your system. There's always been a hierarchy uh, of, of social arrangements. huh? The classes stayed separate. You know, the blue bloods over here. Like in Europe, you have the blue bloods, and those were the royal families. If you look at the history of the royal families, every king in every nation in Europe were cousins. They were all related. And so the cousin of France would marry the cousin of Russia, and then they have cousin babies. And then the cousin of Russia would marry the cousin of Italy, and they would have cousin babies. And then those babies, those cousins would marry the cousins of, of, of Amsterdam, and they'd go on and on until it, it was so... Uh, they kept up the, their blue blood so much that the European kings be, got retarded or becoming deformed. And they, they actually dem- caused a demise in their own kingdom because they were nuts. So uh, that hierarchy really killed them. That was an, an extreme example. Well, Luke 15, Jesus described the kingdom of heaven in a series of stories that features three uncleans. He called them uncleans right? And the first we have the shepherd with the lost sheep. The second we have in that chapter is the woman with the lost coin. And the third we have is the patriarch with the lost son. You could call these examples, these three three lost people, they were the bottom of the pecking order. You know, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. These weren't the elite. These were the we don't want them. You could call these examples, again, the bottom of the pecking order. So we are called, Victor Outreach, we're called to look for the lost sheep. We're called to search for the lost coin. So, and we must rejoice when the lost son comes home. Now, why am I saying this? Because this is what we're called to do. Now, if you're trying to follow the Holy Spirit and your focus is not on that, then, see, then what you're doing, you're misusing the direction of the Holy Spirit for a selfish endeavor. In other words, I'm, God is going to lead me so I can become more blessed. No. That's not what the, that, you cannot follow the Holy Spirit if that's your mind. And that's the problem. Why? Because we are picking order people. What do I mean? We always want to be on the top. Who, who wants to be on the bottom? I nobody. But I'm, who wants to be on top? Everyone wants to be on top. Why? Because that, that's how we are. Right? Right? Dogs. I love dogs. I do. I'm a dog guy. I like dogs. Love dogs. Hate cats. Cats are demonic, I think. But that's another message. Dogs are social animals with a well-defined pack hierarchy. Right? Like the wolf pack. Each individual in the pack has its own place and its own social order. Right? Without a leader and parameters... A pack is confused, unstable, and in constant conflict. There has to be somebody in charge. There has to be a leader, right? A wolf pack hierarchy is made up of one alpha male and one alpha female. Next in line is the beta, and the omega is the lowest member of the pack lowest number. And I thought, was interesting. I go, wow. See, the the leader is the alpha and the least is the omega, which is very interesting because Jesus says he is the alpha and the omega. He is the top and he is the least. See, we want to be the top. We don't want to be the least because the least means you got to humble yourself. You got to take backseat. you got to be second fiddle. You're not the lead guitar. You're the rhythm guitar. You're not the lead vocal. You're the background. See, nobody, everybody wants to be a lead. Right? If you've ever been around singers, they're a trip. Right? So any individual member in the pack who fails to obey the rules will be dealt with in a swift and appropriate manner. Because you have to belong. You have to be a part of the pack. You know, it's like Victor We have our, we, we we have the same hierarchy because that's just the nature of, of people. We understand, and without hierarchy, there'll be confusion. There'll be disorder. You can say Sonny is the alpha, amen. But he gives orders, and because he's there, he's able to maintain the the uh, the conflicts that arise in different churches, and different people, different states, different countries. He's dealing with that all the time. But he's the alpha, and he's dealing with it, right? See, those who refuse to follow the pact, the laws are sometimes driven out in order to maintain stability. That happens locally, it happens regionally, it happens internationally in Victor Avage. See, uncaring, or rather me say like this, before I say this, most people want to peck their way to the top. And it's not a bad thing. Right, because that's God gave it to us. We we are pack animals, right? We have that in every organization, in your family, right? The oldest son or the oldest daughter or whoever is in charge, right? And when you're the I was the youngest, I was never in charge. Man, I go darn! I can't get to do nothing because I had older brothers, older sisters, and whatever they said. And if I complained in front of my mom and dad, and I did try to get my way, I might get my way when mom and dad was there. But I learned real quick, I better stop because when mom and dad ain't there, I'm going to get the snot beat out of me. You know what I mean? So I, I got to stop it because I was, I was the omega right, in the family. Right? So I'm saying this. Most people want to peck their way to the top. But here's the problem. Uncaring, well, here's the problem. When you peck your way to the top, most people are also uncaring of the damage done to others in the process. That's the issue. And see, God has to deal with that in all of us. The kingdom of heaven teaching that which Jesus offered us asks us to stand firm against this tendency, right? However, this whole thing, like I remember the first time I heard it, the last shall be first ideal. Have you ever you know, heard of that? The last shall be first ideal. This was possibly, to me, was possibly one of the toughest teachings that Jesus brought towards me ever. The last shall be first what? I was always taught, be the top dog, be, be you know, competitive, man, boom, get out of my way, I'm going to make it. And, and we were cool with it. All of a sudden, Jesus said, stop that. The last shall be first. Whoa. See, nothing in our society supports that. We want to be the one and only, right? So We fight to be first, first in line, first in prestige, first in power, first in the nations, we even fight to be shotgun, front seat, right? We, we're, you know, we're all, this is all, in us. You know, uh, I, I just noticed that my, my grandbaby, we we'll go, were we'll going in the car and just happened, to, I don't know, she picked up somewhere. We were we'll walking the car about a week ago and she tells my wife, shotgun, right? And I looked at her like, okay, where'd she pick that one up, right? And so I was gonna see what was gonna happen. All of a sudden, guess who sat in the front? My, my grandbaby, because she wants to be the alpha female. See, my, my wife let her get away with it. I would have said, oh, girl, if I was my wife, I would have said, girl, you're tripping. You're sitting in the back. Matter of fact, I'll put you in the trunk. You keep asking for a shotgun because I'm the alpha. You're not. But that's a different message. Amen? But she picked up on that. I go, wow, check it out. And each time we must be first, we start seeing those who are next to us or maybe trying to be first, too, as less significant. So, in other words, if we're both shooting for shotgun all the time, you're saying, well, this, if I can get rid of this one, I'll get shocking all the time. Now, they may not did it in, oh, on the outside, but inwardly, those things start to rise up. That's when you start getting a little rivalries in leadership, in families. You know, they rise up. So you got to deal with it quickly. Say quickly. See, what happens is justifications like the following begin to trickle out of our mouth. Oh, that guy, that sheep, they deserve to get lost. Look at all the rast. And and you may be right, but what you're doing is you're allowing that tendency, that alpha male or or alpha female tendency, to rise up because they're not as important as you. That woman should have been more careful with her coin. That's why she lost that coin. Or that rebellious son should get rebuked for taking off. That's why he's lost. Then all of a sudden we begin to minimize who they are, not recognizing, listen. You're minimizing the very reason why God saved you in the first place. You're minimizing you. Because without them, there's no need for us. God doesn't need us. We would just be birthed, go to work, make money, and die without a purpose. But because of those, we should never minimize them. The moment we, de- we dehumanize the other person next to you, we have crossed over to evil. See, the Holy Spirit, his role, when we're, if we're going to really follow him, must keep you humble. Look to your neighbor and say, stay humble. Now look to the other one and say, stay humble. People long for supremacy, right? It is, it is unlikely that the messengers of Christ came back all at once. In the opening of Scripture, in Luke chapter 10, verse 1, It said, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. So here's Jesus, and he sent all these people out, 72, 36, right, pairs, 72 people. They went out, boom. They'd gone from every town that Jesus was going to go visit. They were like the the evangelism team before Jesus was going to get there. They probably came back as well. In small groups, two by two. They went out and they came back. They didn't come to all together. They came back two by two. And they began to talk to Jesus. Since they went out two by two, they came back two by two. And in verse 17, they said, The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Now, notice that, said, In your name. The demons remember. We're bad. We went out there. Why? Because Jesus sent them out, right? Amazingly, not one of those people gave a different report. It said that they all said the same thing, which is, for, to me, it's like, wow, that's heavy. The one thing that impressed them the most was how supremely they fared in the war against evil spiritual powers. Now, these people were not, not any people, they were handpicked by Jesus. God got the 72 best, and He sends them out. And they come back. And they'll go, man, Jesus, shoo, we got down. These people, uh, the demons submitted to us. So even these messengers demonstrated that they were not free from the passions of being human. They, they, They gloried in what they could do. Right? Many people love statistics. They show how successful they can be in a mission in Christ. It's like, you know, you go and you preach, and, and you're hoping for a big altar call. And when I was first young, if, if nobody came forward, I felt like it was a failure, because that's our tendency. But now, it's like, ah, I don't really care, because altar calls don't really mean nothing if the person coming up doesn't mean it. Right? Now, I, 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 I know God moves at the altar, but if you're just going for show, well, you're not impressing nobody. But if God is doing something, then he's doing something. So it's a lot of people like numbers for statistics. How big it is this? How many? How many? How much? Right? What, what do you make? What's your job pay? You know, there are always it's little hidden competitions. But Imagine men. Men, first thing they ask, where are you working? Oh, yeah? Wow. Well, that's where they get their, their prestige. Like, I work here, and no, I work there. Women don't really do that too much. They don't really, really trip them where they work. But ask them about their house. Oh, don't we talk about my house now? Because they get all their self-esteem by their, by their curtains and their couches and everything. Look how nice my house is. That's where the women get their self-esteem. Men, you know, I do this, I do that. They act bad, right? Why? Because of that hierarchy of mentality. Because instinctively, if, when Martin asks me where I work, and I tell him, and I ask him where he works, we are seeing who is the top dog. Because that's who we are. So now, how is the Holy Spirit going to lead that type of person? Or rather, how is that type of person going to be able to follow the Holy Spirit? Because they're operating from a mindset of pride. Well, am I getting there? Uh. See, it is better to speak of service to humans than of conquest over devils. Now, that's what these, these people did. Jesus, these demons submitted to me. Now, there had to be more than that. They had to probably l- talk to an old lady and let somebody to the Lord, minister to a person, you know, heal somebody because he said you can heal. and he Listen, a whole bunch of things that they can do. But the only thing they brought back was these demons submitted to us. You, could, you can even see their chest sticking out when they said it. Right? That's the only thing they looked at. See, our tendency towards the pecking order, perhaps unknowingly, Boast of successes. While that type of talk, talk you know, appeals to most, I would say this, beware of those who boast of their fights with the devil. Or, or the conquest over, that's why I, I, I warn rappers, don't be talking like you bad, like I be, I be shooting the devil and he's on the run, you know, he don't mess with me because I'm a bad son, right? There's not rapping, no, no, give me a break. Are you kidding me? You haven't even met a devil. Right? Because I'm going to let you know some rap music doesn't scare the devil. Mm-mm. No. So be, believers must, must not focus on the fight against the devil. Rather, they must fight off the tendency towards pride. So always pray that the Holy Spirit keep you humble. So we avoid pride. How? Very simple. By, by focusing on the main task. What's the main task? Because we're, we're, we're pride people, right? Luke chapter 10, let's go back on verse 1 and 2. Before he sent them out two by two, and he, he sent them, he, verse 1 reads like this. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, sent them out two by two ahead of him, to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. Ask the Lord the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. See there, there it is. Boom. The harvest is plentiful, right? And that, once you understand that everything you do, if you want to follow the Holy Spirit, that has to be the goal. If that is not the goal, you are not following the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. You're following a false gospel that teaches you that God just wants to bless you. That's a lie. God will bless you if you're focused on this. This is the task. Not just to be a good person. Not just to stop getting high. Not, see, because that's what I thought when I first got saved. You know, if, I, if I wasn't getting high, I'm like Jesus. That ain't it. He had to get that stuff out of me so that he could put you on the task. And the task is, uh, the harvest is plentiful. That's the task, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. That's what we're talking about. That's what you've got to do. That's what you're called to do. Some of you, like I said, are called to be pastors, not just workers, not just being a business. You're called to start a church and focus on this. And when you begin to focus on that, all of a sudden now you're going to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because now He needs to lead you. So, our mission is not to fight the devil, our mission is carrying out the Lord's will. Jesus had not given them a specific command to engage and fight against evil spiritual forces. He said, He's talking about the field, and he said, Look, now I'm gonna send you out of authority, and this authority that I'm gonna give you, you're gonna be able to do a lot of stuff. He was kinda warning them, You're gonna be able to tread on snakes, scorpions, you're gonna be able to heal the sick, demons will submit to you, but that's not why I'm giving it to you. I'm giving it to you because the harvest is plentiful. Go ahead of me because I'm coming, lay the groundwork, and we're gonna win souls. See, now that's Jesus doing it, he's there in person. Jesus is no longer here. So who's, who's gonna co- cause us to go that way? That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. The Holy Spirit will begin to speak to people's hearts, and says, okay, I'm gonna send them out ahead, send those out ahead, send those out ahead. Because the Holy Spirit now is leading us and guiding us to those places. That's how we we follow the Holy Spirit. He's not going to lead you to the Lincoln dealer to buy a Lincoln Continental, although that would be nice to get one, but that's not what he does. You do that on your own. You know how you do that? Go get a brochure, get online, and begin to research and pick out your car. You don't need the Holy Spirit for that. That's you. But when we're talking about the Holy Spirit leading you, he's going to lead you into the harvest field. Why? Because the, the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. Now you're learning to follow the Holy Spirit. Those other things are just life, things we do because we're human, right? And we move forward. But if you want to follow the Holy Spirit, that's where you got to focus. The other things should be there, but they should be secondary. Get into the harvest field, follow the Holy Ghost, and then go to your Lincoln dealer with your brochure in hand and your down payment, amen? See, Jesus didn't give a command to fight against evil forces. But what sounds better if you had to hear a story? Which of the following would you want to say? I had two newcomers over for lunch. Or I laid hands on this guy and I cast out a demon. Which one sounds better? Come on, be honest. You know what I'm saying? I had two newcomers over for lunch. I laid hands and I cast out a demon. Which one would you talk about? Right away, what do we do? Boy, I cast out a demon. Whew, forget, oh, the newcomers are cool, but I ain't going to talk about that. That's boring. I cast out a demon. When in fact, that's not even our job. Our job was to get newcomers, to go on the harvest field. Now, the other things might happen, but what do we, we care about the, the peripheral stuff that God gives us power to, keep, to allow us to do the other stuff. But we focus on the wrong things. See, these disciples Jesus sent out had, had a meeting and they must have talked about demons. Jesus told them that we were, there was a harvest in Luke chapter 10 to 10 too, right? But I missed the part when I read that. I read a couple of times about battling demons. If you read it, it never says it. Matter of fact, let's read 3 for 10. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Verse 3, verse 4. Do not take a purse or a bag or a sandal. Do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Very interesting. Stay in that house eating and drinking whatever they give you for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcome, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. That's what he's saying. Go to house... Stay there, then begin to talk and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. That's it. But often the enemy will bring in people like this so that we'll miss God's target. People that will disrupt you. Sheep among wolves, right? We're going amongst wolves. And wolves tend to be opportunistic feeders. So as you go out, God will send people, or rather God, the enemy will send people, and they're going to sidetrack you from your mission. Don't get in debates about theology and all this other garbage. Stay focused on the mission, people, souls. I don't care if you were, you know, some people are so adamant, we've got to read the King James. Shut up. I got like 42 different translations. And they fight over dumb stuff. I've had one person say, you, you can't say Jesus, you have to say Yahushua. I don't speak that language, I say Jesus. And if I was uh, 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 from Mexico, I'd say, Jesus. And I really don't care how you say it. We understand who he is. But they get, what are they, they they sidetrack you. And then what happens? You fall victim and you fall into these little meaningless debates. When we're not called to debate, we're called to win the lost simple. And when you focus on the lost, then you are following the leading of the Holy Spirit. When you get your eyes off the lost and you start getting your eyes on yourself and your own blessings and your own career and your own retirement, you're not following God. You're following the hierarchy. Follow God and let him take care of the hierarchy. That now you're walking by faith, right? See, wolves are a trip. Because they're, they're medium to large man, mammals. They eat, they eat deer, caribou, moose, elk, bison, sheep. They're opportunistic, right? They require about 3.7 pounds of meat per day. And they reproduce constantly. Wolves, they, they, they'll eat. And, and they're like, uh, what do you call it, uh, gorger. They, they gorge. Sometimes they won't eat for a few days, but they'll, then they'll eat. Boom. So they need about 10 pounds of meat every day, a wolf, on average. Right, But they eat a feast or famine lifestyle. They're not like us. We eat every day. No, they don't eat. They might not eat for a week, but when they eat, they make up. Boom. 20 pounds in one meal. They just eat. Right? Wolves. See, Jesus sent them out, and he says, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. So you got to understand, when you're following the Holy Spirit, you're his uh, lamb, and he's telling you, go to wolves. You're not going to friends, even though they may be your friends, but they're not controlled by the Holy Spirit. They are controlled by their need to be a hierarchy. They're controlled, for their comp- they're controlled by their competition. They're controlled by their pocketbook. They're controlled by everything else but the Holy Spirit. Now, he says, I want you to go up there and talk to those wolves. And listen, when you come, they're going to be ready for you. Why? Because they are taught to consume. They want to eat you up. Some of you probably met, met a couple of wolves, right? It, it, that's why it's, it's, no, it's no coincidence with all these fairy tales. You have. What do you have? You have the big bad wolf. I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house, right? Even granny turned into a wolf. How, how come granny, poor granny, she even turned into a wolf, right? Everything, yeah, yeah, granny can eat somebody, right? Why? Because they get it from Scripture because wolves are what's going to get you. Huh? Wolves. So Jesus sends them out there, and you would think, okay, now I'm going to send you among wolves and take your 9 millimeter on one side, your pump shotgun on the other side, and, and go out there. No, 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 no. He said, I'm going to send you out among wolves, and I'm going to send you out empty-handed. <laughs> See, when the Holy Spirit is leading you, you have no human effort involved. Go amongst wolves, and I got your back. Now that, that posture right there forces people to trust God. Because we don't like going out there like that, right? I'll go amongst wolves, but at least I'm taking a filero. I'm t- at least I'm taking a knife. Because if that wolf gets close, phew, I, I got it, right? But no, 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 God said, no, no, no. Take nothing. Nada. See, this again, this posture will force you and I to trust God to provide. All right? full authority. He goes, why? Because he's going to give you authority. Here's Jesus going, I'm going to give you some authority. Now, what does authority mean? They've never had authority before. And he goes, don't take a tunic. Don't take no money. Don't take nothing. Go out there. Here's full authority. See, if we begin to take what we need to protect ourselves, the more you take to protect yourself, the less authority you gain. See, people say, I want the authority and I want the guns too. I want the authority, and I want the bank account too. I want the authority. Mm -mm, You might get those later on, but if you want to take a step of faith, you can't have all that. You got to go empty-handed and trust God. He says, full authority to heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God. Enter into a house, stay at the house. Remember, Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful. Go look for the lost coin. Go look for the wandering sheep. Go look for the prodigal son. Why? Because people are waiting for you. Now, I'm telling you, now, I, I'm not telling you this to make you feel bad, but when's the last time you were looking for somebody lost? See, and if you're not in that posture continually looking for somebody lost, there's no way you can follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. There's no way. You can come to church, and you can get bored by my sermons. Church will get boring eventually, because you're be, huh? church is boring. Uh, the, even the worship team, they didn't, they, they didn't have that. Did you hear Jasmine? She couldn't hit a no. Today, her voice was off. It was a, I heard you hear the Arr! I thought that was the rooster the pastor was talking about. And all of a sudden, every flaw, every, everything bad about the church begins to rise up, and you begin to poke, notice every flaw, every mistake, everything. Why? Because you're not, no longer following the lead of the Holy Spirit. You've just been coming to church. And listen, if all, if all I did was come to church, I'd get loaded. No, I have to focus on the mission. What God's called me to do. And the longer I focus on the mission, that doesn't happen to me. Why? He says the harvest is plentiful. But the workers, God's talking about us. Are few. And God, the Holy Spirit wants to lead us. Amen? See, our central mission is reaching the lost. He who sends us, prepares the hearts to be reached. He wouldn't send us and tell us unless there was somebody prepared. They're somewhere, but how are we going to find them unless we talk? Hmm? So we should never go forth fearing the possibility of failure. Because people are waiting for you. We must be ready to serve. That's how we go out. Ready to serve. So there were 70 workers for a small area of Palestine. 70 workers. Palestine's not very big. It was probably smaller, half the size of El Paso County, literally. is not a big area. And so 72 workers went out. It would be like me taking us right here. Okay, two, you two, you two, you two, you all, just all of you right now. And I, I, I lay a hand on you give you authority. Now go. Well, how do we go, pastor? With nothing. Just go and find somebody somewhere, and they're going to open their house to you. And when you get in there... Eat what they give you, and if there's somebody sick, you watch what begins to happen. And all of a sudden, they did that by faith, and things started happening. God began to move. Why did God begin to move? Because now these people needed God to move, because they were relying on him. Hmm? See, the number of workers and proportion to the population was far greater than the proportion of believers to the population we have today. In other words, we have more believers and less of a population than they did. They had less believers and greater, but they did greater works. It's not that they were greater. It's because they trusted Jesus and they followed. Now, again, we don't have Jesus. We have to trust the leading of the Holy Spirit and follow. Mm. That's why he says, pray for workers. Pray for workers. Our mission now is, is as the mission of these 72. Prepare the way for him. Prepare the way. That's all we're called to do. So in other words, there's people out there. When you go up there and tickle their number, God is already moving. He's waiting for you. You tickle the number, and you got their attention, and all of a sudden you've awakened their spirit, then the Holy Spirit comes, boom, and he finishes them off. Right? It's like a setup. Your job is to go out there in the spirit and lift up their chin. Right? So when the Holy Ghost comes, he can, boom, give them an uppercut. But somebody's got to go lift up their chin. You get out there. And you don't have to be all deep. He didn't tell them to give them Bible study. He didn't tell him to break out the Greek, or the, the Hebrew, or the Chicano. He said, just go out there and tell him the kingdom of God is near. That's all, and really, that's all you got to do. You go out there, you, go, you know what? The kingdom of God is near. Why? Because I'm here and I'm bringing the Holy Spirit. And they go, what, what you talking about? You got, the kingdom of God near. God wants to touch you. God wants to save you. God wants to deliver you. God wants to heal you. You could be there to talk like that. People will think you're crazy. But the ones that the Holy Spirit is setting up, their chin will lay raise up for that knockout punch. Boom. See, but God needs you to lift their chin. Huh? That way they can get chin checked. So we preached Jesus. They were sent out with authority. Jesus, the verb he used there is apostoleo. It means I send you. There was an authority, an exosia attached to his command. I'm going to send you apostoleo. Jesus used the same verb when he sent out the 12. In Matthew 4. 10, 5. Jesus sent the 12, right? And he says, as you go out and preach, he told them to do the same thing. Preach that the kingdom of heaven is near. That's it. That was their job. And see, nothing changes. We get all deep. It's all we have is this, this great church and, and, and the worship team, and we're secret friendly, and we'll take care of your needs. No, 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 no. Those things we may do, but that's not what we preach. We preach that the kingdom of God is near. It is at hand. You can have the kingdom of God. That's our message. See, it was the same word Jesus used to indicate his being sent by the Father. Hmm? Luke 9:46 reads: Whoever receives this child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For the one who is the least among you, the least, this is the one who is the greatest. So he's, he's, he, he comes around the hierarchy again. He wants the least. And he says, if they receive you. Now, when I go out and I talk to people, now people aren't aware. They don't know. I know. They don't know. But if I meet somebody new, come to the newcomer church, and I come and you receive me because of who I am and where I stand in Christ, because you received me, you've just received God. Because the Bible says so. Either the Bible is true or it's not. And in the same respect, if they say, oh, no, I don't want nothing to do with that one, then you've just rejected God. That's why I don't take it personal. I go, man, they just rejected God, and they don't even know it. Very clear. Scripture doesn't lie. Whoever receives this child in my name receives me. Whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For the one who is least among you all is the one who is the great. So, again, Jesus is breaking the hierarchy. Don't go for the top dog. Go for the lost. You got to go for the lost. See, authority. There was a special authority granted to the 12. I'm coming in for landing. Promise. First, they had to put their power under subjection. Why? They were given authority. They did nothing to receive it. They were given it. They simply showed up. So it appears that these twelve learned the lesson of the seventy-two. This is later on. He went from seventy-two and he broke it down to twelve. So we figure out how did Jesus figure out the twelve? It wasn't by mistake. He didn't say, "Oh, this is one." Ooh. No, it was very practical. He got seventy-two disciples and he seen who's the best ones and the ones were fakes and frauds and full-time broads. He said, "No, not that one. 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 Not that one, not one." So he whittled down seventy-two to twelve. Boom! All of a He had twelve. See, so we, we need to raise disciples. Jesus raised disciples. we got to raise disciples. We need to raise disciples. Because uh, our job is to raise disciples. Disciples. The problem is people don't want to be discipled. Why? Because when, you know what a disciple means? It means I get to get all in your Kool-Aid. Now, not everybody is going to be a disciple. Most of you are just going to be church members. Oh, God bless you. Praise the Lord. But there are going to be some. God's going to put a call on you. And you're going to be discipled. And just like Jesus got in, got in there, his disciples' Kool-Aid, it's my job to get in my disciples' Kool-Aid. But not everybody's going to be my disciple. M- most will just be peripheral church members. And God bless. That's great. We, we need that. But if we're going to take the world, if we're going to reach the lost, I need disciples. That's all I need. Right? So they were given authority, they showed up, and they learned from the first 72. In Matthew 10, 18, he goes, heal the sick, raise the dead. Raise the dead. That's heavy. How come no dead people ain't raising no more? Because uh, most people don't go out empty-handed and need them to get raised up. See, when you put yourself in a position where they, he needs to get raised up, or otherwise you might die, you know, something crazy. It has to be something miraculous. When you put your, yourself in that position, God will raise the dead. But he's not going to raise the dead just so like you can look bad. Look, I raised the dead. I'm bad. Oh, hey, that's not his gig. If he needs to, he will. If he don't need to, then he, sh- he shouldn't. Because all it does is raise our, our, our expectation of ourselves. Right? See, even our freely given authority, he gives it to you. Nothing we did. Right? It demands a sacrifice of faith. Gosh, I hope you understand what I'm saying. Everyone's sacrifice is unique. We're all different. I had a sacrifice. Everybody's got to have their own sacrifice. But there must be a deep essence of faith to it. Now notice the faith step Jesus required of these 12. Remember, they learned, he learned, they learned, but notice the faith step. Verse 9 of Matthew 10. Do not acquire gold or silver or copper for your money belts. So he says, go broke. When I, that's why, why do you think, I read this and I said, man, this guy's a trip. And I'm talking about Jesus. I go, this guy, man, this guy's a trip. You know, because you know, I, I, I had a word of mine. I go, he can't, that's, that's impossible. What is he talking about? So anyway, when I read it, I said, okay, we come to Colorado Springs, we had no money, I had no car, and I had no place to live. And I brought my three kids to that. Jose and Larry. We had nothing. Nothing. I didn't know what I was going to do. But because I took that step of faith, ah, I learned something. I obligated God to move on my behalf. Now, listen, don't do that unless you're called and you're approved by somebody. Hopefully it's me. Because if you chew on your own, you're going to probably end up being homeless and get mad at God. Because you had presumption, not faith. Because faith has to be done under authority. And that's where we'll we'll get to. Right? So he tells them, let's get back here. Where am I at? No no gold, no silver, no copper for your money balance, or a bag for your journey. So he tells them, don't even take your suitcase. Nada. Or coats, or sandals, or staff. For the worker is worthy of his support. He's saying, now you watch how I'm going to take care of you. You just go and do and watch me move. So if we clearly look at the scripture, it makes no sense. Are you with me? To the natural man, to the people who, de- who desire hierarchy and order, it makes no sense. Take no money, no clothes, no shoes, or staff, for the workers worthy of support. Huh? Verse 11, let's keep reading. And whatever city or village you enter, inquire who is worthy in it. And stay at his house until you leave that city. Who are you inquiring to? You find out, you come in, and you go, God, where do I go now? And he begins to lead you. As you enter the house, give it your greeting. If the house is worthy, give it your blessing of peace. But if it's not worthy, take your blessing of peace. We were at an airport, and I started a school years ago, right? And we went from zero to 500 in four years. Good school is popping. But then the school turned on me. They did. Because all of a sudden there were people that came in, the parents, that knew not where the school started. That school started in the church building that I had, uh, the dome. So they turned, came against me. And the reason was they wanted separation from church and state. We should not have a, a pastor, because we had three board members. Sam was one. And we had three board members in Victor Average Church. And they were all these. Parents were all up and on. Oh, no, no, that can't happen. That can't happen. Well, to make a long story short, I said, you know what? Although we started this school in my church, right, I'm not going to fight you over it. I'm going to leave. Uh, but, and I said, but when I leave, I'm taking my blessing with me. And nine months later, that school shut down. Right? They didn't know what they had. See, it wasn't because of me that the school was prosperous. God's blessing came upon them and it grew. That's, you know, what I, what I just said from zero to 50 and four years doesn't happen. That's impossible. Right? God's blessing. So they did that, and I remember I walked out the door the last day I walked. I even did, because it says shake the shake the uh, the sandals off your uh, dust off your sandals. Well, I didn't have sandals, but I had my, my shoes and I went. Symbolically, taking my, shaking my dust off and taking my blessing with me. That school no no longer in existence, right? That's what Jesus tells us to do. Let's keep reading. As you enter the house, verse 12, give it your greeting. If the house is worthy, give it your blessing and peace. But if it's not worthy, take back your blessing of peace. To establish the authenticity authenticity of the gospel of Jesus Christ, those of us who hear me today should go and spread the blessing to those who should receive it. So when I say, and I always say, you guys need to go out there and talk to somebody. Why? Because you need to spread the blessing to those who should receive it. Because there are people out there. But they're not going to receive God's blessing, which really is the introduction of the Holy Spirit to the lives. They're not going to receive God's blessing unless some of you take it to them. And when you take it to them, they'll be attracted to you because, you know, people ain't done. They go, man, that person done, did something to me. And they'll follow you. Hmm? They'll begin to want to be. know, where did you get this? What is really happening? All of a sudden... You begin to operate in an authority that you've never had before. Why? Because now you need it. Because you are focusing on the mission. Now you're following the Holy Spirit. As I close, John 20, verse 19. See, after Jesus' resurrection, John 20, 21 describes the sending forth of all believers. Now he's going to send forth all the believers. He sent it It was like a, a test for us to learn. He sends out 72, and they operate in a certain way, and they come back all pride, even the demons. And Jesus said, "Look, I saw Satan come from heaven and fall to earth. Don't rejoice about that. Rejoice that you got saved. Don't rejoice about the demons submitting. So he had to deal with their pride. So now in 20, John 20 verse 19, Jesus came and stood among them and said to all of us, "Peace be with you." After he said this in verse 20, let's keep reading down to verse 23. He showed them his hand and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, God sent him, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sin, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. That's heavy right there. Think about what I just said, just what Jesus said. He gives his disciples. As he sends them under his authority, he says, you have the power to forgive them. Now, what type of power is that? See, so we always say, well, Jesus only Jesus forgives you. No, no. Those that are sent under his authority can forgive you. The problem is everybody takes this for granted and, and they figure they can go to the secretary of state, register as a church, become a religion, open a church in the corner, and all they say, oh, I have the power to forgive. No, they don't. They have the power to accept a nonprofit donation. They have the power to call themselves a pastor when they have no authority, but they don't have the power to, to forgive unless they've been sent under authority. Why do you think we're so adamant in Victor Arch about authority? Why? Because our authority first started with David Workerson, who went on to be with the Lord. David Workerson led led Nicky Cruz to the Lord. Nicky led Sonny to the Lord. And it goes on and on and on. Why? Because we remain true to that authority. Because we understand if we're true to authority, then the authority, we are under it. People think they just go anywhere they want. And you can. But the authority anointing will go with you. Huh? And just because, remember statistics, just because you have a, a number of people doesn't mean you have anointing. It means you're good at marketing. Let's keep reading. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you, and with that he breathed on them and, re, and received the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone of his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Jesus used the word pempeo which means to send, not with authority. The first word was to send. I, Jesus said, I send you with authority. It's like you had a, I send you with, with something. Jesus says, I'm not sending you with authority, but under authority. Different words. Same actions to the natural, different meanings. Because many people can come with authority. That's one thing. So when I was at at, at Hayward and I was just coming up the the ranks, Pastor Steve would tell me, go do this, go do this. And I would go with his authority. But eventually, as I began to learn to follow the Holy Spirit, God began to raise me up. My pastor saw it, and all of a sudden, a different authority came upon me. I didn't need his name. When I walked in, authority came with me. Why? Because everywhere I went, I was under authority. See, in Jesus, the Holy Spirit wants to send people under His authority. But in this day and age, it's so difficult. Why? Because Jesus, rather, because people have not lear- learned the, the principle of becoming, staying under authority. So they jump around and they change churches like they're changing their underwear. And so there's no authority. So I want people that are under authority. Why? Because it's those people under authority that they don't need to use. Pastor Al I mean, no, no. Because you're under authority, you go under authority. Wherever you go, you begin to move mountains and spirits and demons submit to you. You begin to lay hands and you heal the sick. If you go to some part of the country, other city, that you don't need me there because you're under authority, you will start a church. You will open up a ministry. You will begin to do things. Why? Because you're not being sent with authority. You're sent under authority. Big difference. I want people under authority. Just like I'm under authority. As I, as I was sent by my pastor under authority, I send you. Huh? Now, as I close, be careful. Don't get all proud over the authority. Stay humble and rejoice that you're saved. That's it. Luke 10, 21. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have not hidden these things from the wise and learned. Rather, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned. Let me say that again. I praise you because you have hidden these things. From the wise and learned, see those people who have been around Christianity too long and know too much, don't like what I'm saying. I praise that you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Now Jesus is not talking about little children; he's talking about the disciples, his disciples. He calls these grown men his children. You you you've hidden from the wise and things that know it all. Everybody know it all, and you give them to these little children. I thank you, Father, that you did that. Huh? Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. See, it's it's, it's the childlike faith that is open to what I'm talking about. It's those, you may have education, you may have everything else, but you're open to what I'm saying, Why? Because these are the things that got me here. This type of preaching, this type of understanding, is what put Victory Outreach all over the world. And we started in one little tiny church in East L.A. with a bunch of no-good-for-nothing drug addicts. And those no-good-for-nothing drug addicts turned the world, changed the world, changed the people. Why? Because we, have, we, did, we just believed. We believed it. That's following the Holy Spirit. Hmm? Indeed, both the 12 and the 70 disciples exercised exercise extraordinary powers perhaps under a grand illusion of the human pecking order. They missed what was important. Some think that defeating demons and devils is the greatest thing they could do. No, that's not the greatest. The preaching of the gospel. Seeing others accept your word as you speak. The gospel of Jesus. And seeing them receiving Christ and their lives turned around. Huh? Seeing women come to the home and get their children back, guys come in the home and get their, their families back, being turned around, being let to just get up and hold a job and live in life and make a living. That's a great thing. That is much greater than some stupid demon. I don't care about that. That happens because we get to deal with it at times, but that's not why we're here. We're here for the lost, for the hurting people, the people that nobody else wants. That's why we're here. That's the greatest thing we can do. That is our mission. I want every head bowed and every eye closed.